Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 214 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. It's also brought to you in part by Acoustic Disc, where you can check out David Grisman's incredible lineup of music that he's got available there. You can sign up for their email list where they send you a free song every week. It's called The Treat of the Week, and they also have the incredible podcast with Dog and Danny Barnes, Acoustic Encounters. Hope everybody's having a great week. I just put it together that this is episode number 214 in Valentine's Day, which was 214, was this week. Huh. I couldn't have planned that if I tried. Anyway, hope everybody's doing well. It's always great to chat with Lauren Price Napier, my guest this week. And she, we, we talk about this during the podcast, but she couldn't mention it. But I can mention it officially now. March 27th, the Price sisters are making their grand old Opry debut. Congratulations to the Price Sisters. That is just absolutely huge. When you hear this brand new album available today, February 16th, called Between the Lines, you're going to understand why they got this incredible honor. So congratulations to the Price Sisters. That is amazing. And we talk about all sorts of stuff, including this new album and a pretty sweet mandolin Lauren is playing during this episode. Also, I want to remind everybody that coming up also that same weekend, if you want to come to Charleston, South Carolina... The Charleston Bluegrass Festival is going on. So I'm excited to be emceeing that. And we actually have a mandolins and beer stage. So I'm pretty stoked to have that happening as well. So that same weekend, if you're not in Nashville, come on down to Charleston. Should be kind of warm and uh, or, or it could be freezing cold and rain. You never know, but you never know wherever you're at. So come on down to the Charleston Bluegrass Festival. Looking forward to that also on March 15th. My Tom Petty tribute is playing at the Charleston Poorhouse, 6 to 9. That is a Friday. We barely missed selling it out last time we were there. So if you want to come to that, I would definitely uh, advise maybe getting some tickets. I think we missed by only 22 tickets. So that was a really good time. So that'll be great. Nice early deck show. You cannot beat those. So come on down to Charleston and uh, check, check out the Tom Petty tribute band as well if you can't come down for the Bluegrass Festival. Let's get into my sponsors this week. Oh, and thank you very much to my new patrons. Um, I'm going to be emailing out a PDF of one of the solos on my my new book, The 365 Project, but I'm heckin', having a heck of a time with my flipping mail service, my email thing. I never really use it, so uh, I think I might have it figured out now, but I've been dealing with that for a couple days, and I'm not the most computer-savvy person in the world. So hopefully I'll have that and some sound samples out to all the people on my email list. But thank you to those patrons who have signed up. And don't forget, along with the 365 Project, you also have, boy, there's about 50 other video lessons on there. I'm getting ready to post one on the um, different shapes of the major pentatonic scale, starting from each note. Kind of fun stuff to work on to warm your fingers up in the morning. And also, uh, you have the ability to... Uh, post a question that might get asked on this podcast to upcoming guests. Uh, and so we have that happening on this episode as well. All right, let's get into my sponsors this week, Peghead Nation. Peghead Nation features an incredible lineup of mandolin instructors. Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibus, Chad Manning, Ian Corey. From beginner to advanced, they have it all. Courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month for free. Just go to pegheadnation.com and use that promo code MANDOLINBEER at checkout. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com. Download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Also, do not forget to go over to their Instagram. 
Stringjoy strings. I love these strings. I use the Foxwoods. They're the coded. Have never loved coded strings ever. These strings blow my mind. And let me tell you about the awesome, awesome customer service I got from Scott the other day. He's the best. And they uh, they don't make mandola strings yet. But I was emailing him about, you know, the, the possibility of just getting a set from some of the other strings they throw together. And Scott did that. He sent me a set of mandola strings to try out that he came up with. That's incredible. I want to thank Scott for that. And uh, I'm proud to be an endorsee of Stringjoy Strings. And you can get 10% off by using the promo code MandolinBeer at checkout at Stringjoy.com. And uh, you can use that on all the strings, not just Mandolin. So thank you to Stringjoy. Tone Slabs. Love my Tone Slab picks as well. Best part about the Tone Slabs is they have all the shapes and sizes. They can actually even do custom stuff. They made me a signature mandolins and beer pick that I love. They put my logo on it. They could put your logo on it. They can put your name on it. Sports team, favorite band, they could do it all. Head over to toneslabs.com and get yourself a slab of tone. Pava Mandolins, dedicated to building for the impassioned player. Pava Mandolins out of Austin, Texas. And Elderly Instruments. Elderly Instruments is your trusted source for new, used, and vintage fretted and stringed instruments. For the experience of the beginner player, their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles, and did I mention mandolins? Includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All of the instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and their down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. They're in their 51st year. They're family-owned and operated. They're award-winning. They ship worldwide, and you can visit them anytime at elderly.com. All right, thank you so much for listening. Let's get into this episode with Lauren Price Napier. Go out and buy their brand new album, Available Today. Spend your weekend listening to some beautiful mandolin music. Have a great weekend. Cheers, everybody. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Lauren Price Napier. Lauren, how are you? Hey, Daniel. I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. You've, you've had a very busy couple of weeks, so I'm very excited that we could make this happen. So thank you for that. Oh, well, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm glad to be back for sure. Awesome. Awesome. I'm such a fan of your playing, but your videos, every time I watch them and if I like repost them, I'm so terrible at social media. I've got to get better at it. And um, <laughs> but like whenever yours come across my feed, I'm like, oh, I got to share this. And they always. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. But everybody loves them. It's just such a great, such a great playing style. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. For sure. And that kind of leads to the fact um, you're going to be uh, an instructor at the Monroe Mandolin Camp coming up this fall. Yeah, uh, September 4th through 8th, I believe, are the dates. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, but I'm super excited to be back there. I mean, Mike Compton's been one of my heroes since, you know, I started playing. Uh, so getting to work with him now several several years in the past um, has been just a major treat for me. Uh, but it's always a fun time, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to being back. What tracks are you teaching? Um, do you know yet what you're going to be, which classes you'll be leading? We don't know yet, honestly. Um, we'll be firming that up in the next couple of months. But um, it's myself and Mike and Frank Sullivan, uh, as far as Mando Pickers go, I believe. Um, and then there's, you know, there's uh, at least one or, well, at least one other instructor, like per other instruments. And um, I think Jeff Burke is doing some jamming. I know he's a Mando picker. 
So it, Mike and I, I know we'll definitely be covering a lot of, um, Monroe stuff in, you know, kind of the heavy hitting material. And Frank, of course, I, I love what Frank does and he's fantastic. I think, um, Heidi told me they wanted him to do a bit more like of a modern approach to traditional stuff, which will be really cool. So I guess the short answer is we haven't worked out the classes yet, but that's kind of what um, the instructor lineup looks like. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, that was one of the things that really impressed me. That was my first experience at it last year. And it really uh-huh. impressed me with because, you know, you, you just if you assume that it's just going to be all. Monroe, I mean, it kind of is in a sense is based around him, but there's mm-hmm. all sorts of different uh, classes that you can sign up to take as well with the different instructors. It's not just, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, yeah, that's, that's really cool, man. I would highly oh, recommend definitely. it. Yeah. Well, me too. And I think that's, what's so great about that camp. Like you said, the way they have it set up, you're not committed to one just focused area of study the whole time you can bounce around and take whatever interests you. And then, you know, with the I mean, of course, it's about promoting Monroe's material and that style, but I think it's really important that they have added in a little bit of other stuff in the mix, uh, other instruments, and then other stylists too, because, um, and I, you know, I tell folks that in workshops and things that I do, it's, you study this stuff because it's, because it's immensely important. You can't overstate that. Um, But then you also need to be able to take it somewhere if you want to be a player yourself. And so, um, looking into those other influences and, and how other people hear it, it I think is, is definitely um, the, one of the main ideas. And I, I think that camp does that as well. So that's great. Yeah. It's, it's a great time. And all the people are just like, just so cool. I mean, you know, all those camps are fun, but that one just had a real, a real vibe about yeah. it that, you know, that was something special. Oh, cool. So yeah. highly recommended. Also highly recommended is your brand new album, Between the Lines, that's coming out here on the 16th of February. Oh, thank you. We are just super excited. I can't tell you how excited we are about this new record. Now, it's been a minute since your last one. It has. Honestly, uh, 2018 was our last release. And um, we, as most, a lot of folks were, um, going right into 2020, we, well, I'll back up even a little bit from that. Um, We hired our first full-time touring band in 2019, my sister and I, Leanna. and we had a really good year that year. Um, we were up for a couple um, IBMA Momentum Awards, and we did a month-long tour in Germany, uh, in Austria, and Switzerland um, in December, November, December of 2019. So we finished things up then. Just we we really had a great year, and we were really feeling good about music and what we were what we were looking at to do next. Um, and we started into 2020. In January, um, with our first show at the Station Inn, and we had a meeting right about that same weekend about our doing another album, um, and we especially wanted to have our own band on it this time, um, which our other two projects that we've released, Leanna and I, are immensely proud of, um, and, and couldn't have been happier with how they came out at the time, and and so that 
you know, super thankful for that. But we really felt like it it was time for us to do something with our own group. And so that's what we were looking at with a new record um, coming down the line. And that was started. We started talking about that in January of 2020 as if we would record later that year, you know, or maybe in the summer. <laughs> right. And we all know what happened. Then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> so it got pushed back and, and pushed back. Um, but as we were, Leanna and I were talking about, um, producers, you know, looking for somebody to, to produce this record. It was like, well, if you could have anybody who would your top choice be to, to pick as producer. And we both said, well, gosh, Ronnie McCurry. And I mean, we've, we've known those guys for a little bit. They've always just been so kind to us and so helpful. Um, but we didn't really know him that well, you know, and it, of course I'm still, definitely a fan <laughs> so I didn't want to bug <laughs> as I don't any of those guys but uh, <laughs> but uh back then so that was 2020 uh thereabouts I guess maybe or uh, and we're thinking you know well I wonder if Ronnie would do it um and long story short he agreed uh but I don't I don't want to get ahead of, of you Daniel so um no no yeah, I um <laughs> no no feel free that was my next question was how in the heck did you uh-huh. uh pick Ronnie McCurry who's just one of my all-time favorite mandolin players and just just like one of the nicest people around you know oh for sure yeah he really is and I mean of course like I said mandolin hero from day one for me personally um but the first the first concert that Leanna and I remember seeing as far as like bluegrass the bluegrass world goes um, we saw Vince Gill a couple times with our mom and dad when we were little which was great I love Vince always will <laughs> um <laughs> But we saw a Down from the Mountain tour stop in Cincinnati when we were like six. And I hardly remember it, um, but we were with our parents. And then uh, 2008 rolls around, I think, or maybe 2009. Uh, Leanna and I weren't super into bluegrass specifically when we were kids. Um, but we started to get into it right about the time we got into high school. And our I think our first real bluegrass concert was seeing the Del McCurry Band when we were 14. Um, and so they've just always been at the top of our list and, you know, always will be They're, I mean, and now that we know those guys, uh, you know, they're, I'm, I'm lucky to get to know them and get to be around them and, and hang out some and, and pick some, but I'll, you know, so I'll always be thankful for that friendship. But I mean, they've just, like I said, they've been our heroes, our favorite band since we really got into bluegrass. So there was that. Um, and like I said, you know, everything that Dell does um, and everything that like the Travel McCurries do, uh, Bluegrass and beyond, that's, I, I guess, Leanna and I just really, it's kind of where we want to see ourselves someday. I mean, not, not putting us on par with them, but just in that sort of, um, I don't know what's the right way to put that, but just, you know, traditional within Bluegrass music, but also not afraid, you know, you don't have to change the music that you play necessarily to be able to take it to other places too and find that so many other folks outside of the bluegrass world that's really super strict and, and tight sometimes. Um, so many other folks will really identify with what you're doing and with what you're playing. If it's, if it's music that really feels true to what you want it to be. Um, and I think 
Dell does that and, and the guys in that band, they do that collectively uh, so well. So it's just, you know, inspiring on a lot of levels. And um, of course, Ronnie has a big hand in producing their projects. And so we just thought, you know, I wonder if he would be willing to take this on. Uh, we didn't know if he really ever did that um, much outside of the family or not. But um, we, yeah, <laughs> it's just like, well, if we're ever going to ask, the time's now. <laughs> so I guess we'll just go for it. <laughs> Was it a long wait time after uh, after sending out the request? Well, um, I believe I, – I can't remember now exactly. I think he and I first talked on the phone actually for just a few minutes in the fall of 2020. Um, and we were looking at, you know – because, of course, we were in the, still in the middle of the pandemic then. But just trying to get some ideas. And he was asking, you know, how we kind of wanted to sound. Did we want to sound more more traditional or more kind of um, new grass or edgy or jammy? And um, But so we were talking about that. I think that was the fall of 2020. And then spring came around. And, of course, pandemic still. <laughs> so <laughs> right. we hadn't really, you know, connected and gotten back in. Um, touch as far as making plans um but Delfest was um decided to have a Delfest light festival at b Corp brewing company in uh virginia on memorial day weekend of 2021 and we were asked to play at that and so that was in may of 21 um and right up before then i had sent ronnie a message and asked you know since i knew we would be seeing them actually for the first time since all of this started um, if it would be a good time to maybe chat and follow up about where we might get started, I suppose, on a record. Um, and so we, we met up there in May of 21 and, um, long story short, we were, you know, that was really our first talks about actually getting together to work on some stuff. And we had our band, you know, ready to go at that point, um, which was, was good. Um, but I was, uh, that was also the same summer that I found out that I um, was going to have my thyroid removed. And so it, it's, it's crazy how things work out. Um, but it was kind of a, well, you know, I found that out. That was May. We talked to them and then I found out about that surgery and it was right about the 4th of July. Um, and I called Ronnie and told him what I had going on because I was going to have to be on vocal rest for six months oh, after that right. surgery. Oh. Um uh, yeah, <laughs> it was, I mean, made it through on the other side. Everything's great and I'm thankful. But at the time it was like, well, I don't, I don't want to put anybody under any sort of pressure, but we had just started talking and it's like, well, we're going to record if we can, let's do it this summer instead of wait even longer. And so we got, uh, we met up with Ronnie and the band a couple different times, uh, right about the end of July, maybe early August. And then the middle of, or the middle, late August of 2021, we went in the studio um, and started. And uh, for, we had three days and then we had to drive to a festival in New York <laughs> to play <laughs> for the weekend. Um, and it was just, it, it's kind of like, you know, looking back at everything though, it just, at the time we didn't know how it was all going to come together, but Leanna and I said this all along, we just had a really good feeling about it. And it just, you know, it happened really kind of easily. And I don't, I mean, not, not putting it lightly, but 
it felt like it was the way that it was supposed to work out, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And we couldn't have had a better experience or been happier with how it all came together. Um, but yeah, the studio, the studio time itself was, was great. We, it was, it was a lot of fun. Was that the tractor shed? It was that tractor shed. Yeah. Yeah. Which was Mark did our first sessions when we recorded, um, the first week. And I think he, I, if I remember right, because we did, we did most of our, most of everything on the album was done live and the, all of our tracks and everything together rhythmically, instrumentally, and, um, vocally was done live and we just picked the better take you know and but we did you know we did go back in and fix spots where they needed um but we got everything down as a as almost a you know the core of the project that that first session um and then we went back a couple times um the second day or the second session i think is when um we had our guests come in and then we had one more session about a month later and did the two instrumentals on the album. Um, and then, then mixing. So Mark did all of, I believe Mark did that engineering and when we initially recorded and then Sean Sullivan came in, um, when we were finishing things up and did the mixing for us and everything too. Yeah. That place is awesome. A couple things. Yeah. First off the, the fact that Ronnie going back to the Monroe camp and the mixture of Monroe and modern style, well, Ronnie is one of the, you can pick a better example of a guy oh, who sure. is straddling those lines of like, he learned all of that Monroe stuff, but he's taken it into mm-hmm. all different directions and, and just, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's got it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I agree. And that's what's so, ins- I mean, you know, this is so inspiring to me about his playing because he like, well, you said it best. I mean, he learned all of that stuff and he can do it better than just about anybody just as good. Um, and you know, of course I love that stuff so much, but he's not afraid to, you know, experiment with it and, and try new things too and see how they, they add up together. Um, and it's just, I mean, yeah, you know, he's one of the best for sure. <laughs> Um, the other thing you mentioned too is the ability to, you know, have the have the Price Sisters kind of sound, not just be straight up traditional bluegrass, which you guys do great. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I really, really love about this album is some of the tunes have more of like a uh, like a, a old school kind of country vibe to them as well. It could, you could hear these songs on the radio station of any radio station that plays just, you know, great country style music and not being, you know, it wouldn't be like, oh, there's no drums on this. We can't play it because you, I don't feel you miss them. It, they're just great tunes. Oh, well, that's, that's really cool to hear. And that's the thing for me and Leanna, because um, I think it, you know, as kids, we've had music around ever since we could remember, but it was. Um, I mean, we didn't grow up in the bluegrass family band, and so we didn't grow up in the bluegrass scene as kids, like a lot of young bluegrass people do, which which is fine. Um, but I th- I think 
speaking to what you said about just the way that we like our music to sound, um, or, or at least what we're trying to go for, even if I can't put a finger on it. Um, you know, when we were growing up, it was, it was a lot of old country and Johnny Cash and John Denver and, um, Alison Krauss was, was definitely in there though. That was, I mean, Alison Krauss and then the Down from the Mountain soundtrack and then the Del McCurry band a little bit later, but those were our earliest bluegrass, uh, those are my earliest bluegrass memories as far as, as the music that I heard. Um, but it was also a lot of Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family, um, and the blue sky boys and, uh, uncle Dave Macon, kind of some of that stuff thrown in there. And so I like so much of that, that early bluegrass era that of course was really traditional bluegrass, but then right before that, so much of the, string band style music and old timey country. And I think that's the cool thing about our, the guys in our band. They're just super talented. I guess I should say in, as far as more old time style of, of playing goes and, and early country music um, and like uh, the skillet liquors and Clayton McMitchin and fiddlers convention tunes and things like that. And so that really, their interest and their talent in that regard really speaks to mine and Leanna's early interests and influences. And then, well, Baj, Bobby Osmond Jr. on bass, of course, coming from country music royalty, that there's that influence in there too. And so I think when you mix that with traditional bluegrass as the market that we're in, I mean, we love Monroe stuff so much and that sort of catalog with um, those generation of pickers and, and beyond. But I think it just makes for an interesting mix as far as what we choose to do or you know the material that we choose to play um i don't know if that makes sense or not (laughs) totally actually it's a great segue too because i wanted to ask you about how you choose tunes first off kudos on your tune which is just stellar thank you so much Boy, that I'm, <laughs> I, I guess I could take a second there because, to be honest, um, that was the first tune I've ever written. <laughs> really? And yeah, and I've I've been Leanna and I don't write lyrical songs. Um, I hope someday, and I think it will come. But I am very much an OCD type person and an overthinker, <laughs> and being Type A and being an artist can really butt heads with each other sometimes. <laughs> um, but well, that was one thing whenever we first met up with Ronnie at the B chord show and he was talking about getting material together and he asked if we had any, some ideas and a few of the, uh, well, a good handful of the songs on the record, um, we had already worked up and we're doing, um, but then a lot of the other suggestions came from him, but he, he asked about instrumentals and he, and I said, well, we hadn't really thought. And he said, well, what about you want to write one? And I, you know, I thought, well, I, I thought to myself, I never have, but I guess, you know, I really should. <laughs> um, but so when we were getting ready to record, I 
just ended up coming up with that one. Um, and Leanna wrote the, the fiddle tune that's on there as well. But I was, you know, the, the mandolin tune. Um, I like how it came out. And Ronnie originally um, wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily planned that he was going to play on it. But we were, you know, rehearsing and going over things. And he was noodling around a bit. And I asked him if he'd play on it. And he said, well, well, sure. So, I mean, that was definitely a treat for me. <laughs> <laughs> how did you come up with the tune when you knew you were going to write one? Um, I... The the opening riff, I think. Um, let me see. I kind of had I I kind of had that just opening, you know, three or four notes um, stuck in my head, but I didn't I didn't have it put together with anything else. But then I liked. Then I also had this idea for like in the B part when it goes because it's in A minor, um, but in the B part when it starts out and goes to G, I had like that little bit of a phrase in mind um but I don't know I just started playing around with those little tiny melody pieces I guess which still sort of felt more like licks at the time um but just seeing well where does it feel like it should go next um and I was happy with how it came out because it I mean it seemed like it you know it, it was a completed idea with with pieces inside that that sort of mirrored each other which which i liked um but the name uh tools landing is actually my uh our mom's maiden name is tool t-u-e-l and um i named it that just i thought it kind of suited it um but in honor of my my pap's side of the family uh he, he was their family, the Tools, settled Fly, Ohio, which today it's known as Fly, Ohio, um, which is a town, a little tiny town. If you blink, you'll miss it when you drive by. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's our mom's hometown. It's our hometown. Um, and it's right along the Ohio River across from Sistersville, West Virginia. Um, and Sistersville was actually the home of the very first oil boom. Um, a lot of... in. A lot of people in that area, they'll think of Pennsylvania, but it was actually Sistersville first. Um, and when the town was settled across the river um, in Ohio, it was originally called Tools Landing because of my pap's family. Uh, they were they were the settlers there, and they opened a ferry service across the river from Ohio to West Virginia. And they started in um, with a lot of the, the oil wells and the oil companies there back in the day. Um, so the town was originally called Tools Landing in honor of that ferry landing. Um, and so that's that's what I named the tune. I love it. Was Ronnie the one who recommended Ten Cent Pistol? He was, yeah. <laughs> was it? Yeah, the Black Keys yeah. for those who might not be familiar. And your, you guys' version mm-hmm. is great, but boy, was I surprised when that single came out. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know this song, but I don't think I know it yeah. from Bluegrass. <laughs> Late at night, 
holding hands and making light of everything that came before. But there she was behind the door. She hit them with her ten cent pistol because they ruined her name. Well, she hit them with her ten cent pistol and they never were the same. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, you know, when we, he, uh, he sent us a couple, well, um, more than a couple of, you know, half a dozen or so, I can't remember now, songs that he had had ideas about. Um, and that was one of them. And we, you know, didn't dislike the song at all, but we didn't know really if we could make it work and make it sound authentic and, and believable and, you know, in a bluegrass setting or not. Um, but he just, you know, he said, well, why don't you just give it a try? And he had an idea um, to kind of do it along the lines of like the feel of um, like walk on boy. I remember him playing that uh, like Doc Watson. Um, and so we kind of went off of that and with uh, guitar, uh, our Connor, our guitar player was, was just kind of going through the chords and Leanna started singing. And honestly, that's, um, that's the last song that we recorded as uh, for vocals. And that's really the only one that we worked up in the studio. Um, the rest of them, we pretty much had down as far as the arrangements and everything when we went in, but that one we, we did in the studio. Um, and we just, we went through it a couple of times and then we hit the button and it, it went on. And I, I mean, we were really happy with how it came out. You know, people have said, well, it's really different for what you guys do. And I mean, I, I get where they're coming from with that, but also not really. I mean, it, it totally sounds like an old timey ballad if you were to step away and not know that the black keys did it you know it's got it's got a bit of an edge on it which is really fun um but i mean to me in the right setting it it definitely fits right in and i mean we like i said we were really happy with how it came out yeah well you should be because it's a great version of it thank you you're welcome now you've had some special guests on this album um and, and so it led to one of the questions that i had because this song here is kind of a deep cut for this artist but you guys do the harvest which is kind of a deep Peter Rowan cutter and definitely not one of his more well-known tunes. Leanna had actually found that one, um, I don't know how, just by chance, a, a video on YouTube, I think, but actually back in like 2019 or 2020, before we were looking to do a new record, but we had started working it up right about that time. And so we had done it on shows before we went in to record, but we didn't realize that it was one of Peter's songs because we, I hadn't heard that, uh, we didn't have the record that he did it on and, and we didn't. Uh, we didn't know the official name of it, so we couldn't really find it out somehow. Um, but then we came to find out that it was one of Peter's songs, which makes sense, you know, as as excellent as he is as a songwriter. Um, but, I mean, everybody loves a song about home. It's nostalgic, I guess, you know, but it really just hit home to me and Leanna because 
it sounds a lot, it, it, it feels a lot like how we grew up. Um, you know, we grew up in, in the country on a, a farm property with, um, a lot of our extended family, just very close and our grandparents nearby. Um, so we were kind of the, the last generation to grow up without, well, even when the kids in school with us had internet, we didn't, we didn't have internet till we got <laughs> to uh, college. <laughs> so a lot of that, I don't know, it just really resonated with me and Leanna. So we, we wanted to do it. Um, and it, it's definitely one of my favorites that we do. She sings it so well, of course, in my opinion, but yeah. And then you had some guests on that track as well. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so Jason Carter's playing twin fiddle and Jerry Douglas is playing dobro um so first time we've gotten to record with any of those guys um but that was that was definitely super fun uh the twin fiddles are just so pretty on that song and of course you know having jerry in there was was really cool oh man i bet i bet and then another track that you have some special guests on are uh del and pete go to the picking yeah and uh, and Peter actually came in at a later date and added a third harmony part on the harvest. Um, and I had to, Leanna was there, but I had to miss that date actually because it was like right after I had had um, my thyroid surgery. So I didn't get to be there when he was in singing, but Leanna was. Um, so that that was really nice of him. We, you know, that, that kind of just was the icing on the cake, I suppose. Um, but on Dell and Pete go to the picking, yeah. That uh, is a lead into there's a song in there somewhere, which is a Cowboy Jack Clement song. And that was one of the ones that whenever we first had a meeting with Ronnie and he was talking about material, he mentioned that song to us. And he said he had had a demo of it for a long time. I don't know if it was one that they had looked about doing or something, but and and didn't. But he said he just felt like somebody should and and thought that, you know, he wanted us to listen to it and see what we thought. And so that ended up on there, and uh, he asked Dell to sing harmony on it with us because uh, it, it does nod to the Bluegrass Boys. Um, and gosh, I mean, if I if you would have told me, uh, I mean, all of this, we're just so thankful, and a lot of it feels kind of like a dream come true of of projects for me and Leanna. We're just very very proud of the the work that went into this, and we're very happy with it. But but gee, if you would have ever told me 15 years ago that Del McCurry would be singing <laughs> on a, a song with me, I would have, I don't know that I would have believed you. So <laughs> um, that was just, yeah, it doesn't get any better than that uh, really for us. But, uh, but the inter, interlude to that Del and Pete go to the picking um, is Del and, and Pete, Peter Rowan uh, having a little conversation just kind of to lead us into the song. And it just, I mean, it just worked out perfect, you know, between the two of them as, as we thought that it would. Um, but it was just, it, yeah, I mean, it was really fun. Well, the whole album's fantastic. I, you guys should be super proud of it. I mean, it sounds like you guys definitely are, but wow, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful project. Are you going to be doing a lot of touring behind it? 
Well, that's that's really good to hear. And, you know, we it it's not been a long time coming necessarily, but it also feels like in a lot of ways it has because we I really feel like, you know, and with the pandemic, we got set back. But I think that also allowed us to change some things up. And we just we really tried to put a lot of thought into what we were doing and really be happy with with what we got on there. And we're we're really, really excited for people to hear it and hope that they enjoy it but we're trying to tour as much as we can specifically to promote the record um normally this time of year is is kind of slower but we've had um a few weekends out already for shows and then uh this well we're at the uh, university of chicago folk festival uh coming up just next weekend or this coming weekend um so that'll be just prior to release and then our release weekend we're at the palatka bluegrass festival in florida but we've had copies with uh, with us for our shows this year, and so we've kind of been selling them, you know, at our table just to get folks excited about it. Um, and then in March, we've got some dates. We uh, just a couple early on in March, um, we're doing wood songs uh, in Lexington to to help promote the album. So that that'll be really cool. Um, and that's on March 11th, but March 10th, uh, Sunday evening, we just confirmed this. We're going to do our official album release show party kind of thing at the Station Inn. So we're excited about that. Yeah. That's great. And then there's another show we can't announce yet, but if it comes up, <laughs> I will plug it. And if, if yeah. and if we can't announce it during before this airs, I'll be sure to announce it um, uh, in upcoming episodes so people go to it because it's a pretty sweet oh, yeah. show. But we, yes, we don't want to we don't want to break any rules. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be late march I'll, I'll say that just hopefully announcement coming soon <laughs> excellent um let's talk about another um kind of exciting thing the the mandolin mm-hmm. you've been playing recently oh yeah well gosh um i you know my my, my own personal mandolin is a buckeye man which is what i've done uh, uh used you know since i've since i got it uh, a custom gift from my parents uh when i was 16 and it's a fantastic mandolin it will always be my mandolin but um scott and i have a very good friend of ours who is actually uh scott plays a 1939 scott my husband um plays a 1939 f5 gibson mandolin that he loves and it, it is one of the best mandolins um i think on the planet honestly um, but it's it's fantastic, and he bought it from this gentleman a few years ago, who is one of our friends and a and an instrument collector. Um, and last summer, uh, Scott went down to visit him, and I was at the house. I stayed to to give lessons, and I hadn't heard anything from him all morning. And he calls me, and I pick up the phone, and the first words out of his mouth is, "Well, he wants to know if you want to borrow a Gilchrist or a Lore." <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and I thought, oh gosh, <laughs> because I mean, I'd, I'd love to have a gill, you know, uh, some of my, my biggest heroes have gills and they're of course, fantastic mandolins. I just have my Buckeye and I'm kind of a one mandolin gal, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, it's never a bad thing to have a good, a, a good second. And so I'd, I'd love to have something else someday, specifically a gill. Um, but this, this lore, um, was you know the offer was there and i i couldn't turn it down um and you know i it's it's a very nice mandolin um i mean from one thing to the next some of them are in a not just lore specifically but 
some of them are, you know, really kind of special and some of them maybe don't speak to you when you pick them up. Um, but I really do like this plant. I mean, of course I do, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm fortunate that the opportunity was there and it's been feasible to, to get to play it on, um, our shows for the last year or so. So I'm, I'm having fun, uh, getting to, getting to make some noise with it for a little while. <laughs> what do you feel the biggest difference between that mandolin and your Buckeye are, especially because you've known your Buckeye, I mean, since you were 16, you know? Yeah. Well, um, honestly, I mean, I feel like the, and I've always said this about my Buckeye, it has a really dry, deep, but kind of even and woody tone, which I really, really like in a mandolin. Um, it's, and I honestly feel that the tone in both of them is the same along those same lines, um, which I really like, but, uh, the lower, I mean, of course it has some age on it, but it just, it's got a little bit of a, of a funk to it. That, <laughs> um, it's, you know, especially it's, it's kind of nasally in on, like on top of being dry. It's a little bit nasally in some of the mid range, which really just to me, like bites into like Monroe's sound from the early fifties, like some of that stuff down in E and B and F um, on the lower strings. It's, it's, it's just got a little bit more of all of it. <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it's nice. It's, um, it, it's even, and it, you know, the, the E strings, you know, down on, on the treble side that really pops well. And then the, the, the low strings are really kind of dark, but it's not muddy to me. It's not overly bassy. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's certainly fun to play. And I, I do really like the sound that I can get with it. <laughs> Well, I can't think of a, you know, too many better players to have one than you. That's that's uh, you definitely deserve to play one of those. So, uh, well, I I appreciate that, and you know, I I don't know that I'll ever own one someday or not. I mean, maybe, but I like I said, I I feel fortunate that the opportunity um, came that I could do this, and that he he trusts me with with it means a whole lot. Um, so I'm just enjoying it while I have it, <laughs> you know, however long that is, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I've been, uh, for my patrons, I've been trying to be more interactive and, um, I put on there, if anybody had any questions, I was going to grab a question from my Patreon oh, cool. here. And, um, this one's from, uh, I'm not sure if it's Mylan or Milan, but I'm going to go with Mylan. And, um, his question is, what is hard for you to play? And I guess that's probably um, kind of a general question, Ooh. but let's tighten it up to like, what's something, you know, because what you play is very difficult. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Uh, like it, it doesn't just uh -huh. sound difficult sitting down and trying to learn it. Is, and I mean, I'd gotten a lesson from you the one time, a video lesson, and I still can barely play it. But, um, you know, oh. <laughs> what, what is something that you listen to? And you're like, whew, this is going to require some work. Mm -hmm. Well, gosh, um, I I can't think of a good way to say this to where it sounds super specific, but I have a hard time playing a bunch of um, really rapid single note lines. And I, I don't know if it's a left-hand thing necessarily or a right-hand thing, but I'm within Monroe style stuff, especially it's, you kind of get into a, a rhythm of playing with 
I almost think of it like a constant tremolo type feel, which of course everybody's hand is is moving back and forth anyway, but it's sort of like a a rhythm that whatever to whatever suits the material, but that never really stops through the whole song is is kind of what I'm trying to get at, which is which is hard to put into words and certainly probably hard over just audio. Um but Within that, if if you kind of have to break that pattern for something and then go into just a, you know, a really quick firing line of rapid succession of notes, I have a hard time with that. And I don't know if, like I said, if it's, I, I think it's more my right hand kind of breaking out of whatever rhythm pattern. I, I mean, I don't want to say something super specific because I it's more just a general thing for me, but um, breaking out of whatever rhythm that I'm kind of playing with the whole song. If I get out of that, whether slowed down or have to speed up, it's hard for me to sync the two things back together. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. It makes total sense. Okay. I, yeah. <laughs> I liken it to, and I'm still trying to get better at it and try to practice it every day. But, you know, like mm-hmm. I always liken it, like, let's say you're strumming or chopping along and you need to add volume, but then mm-hmm. you need to go to a quick melody in your hand, it's like you almost have to slam the brakes on your right yeah. hand and completely change the way you're playing in a little bit of Definitely. time. And yeah, it still gets mm-hmm. me. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear it gets. I'm, I'm glad to hear it gets real great players as well. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. There's lots of things that get me, <laughs> but that's kind of the biggest general thing I can think of, which which you know comes out in different ways sometimes. But but yeah. <laughs> The uh, last question I have here, is there is there an mm-hmm. elusive Monroe tune? Is there one? I don't know if I asked this when we talked a few years ago or not, but mm-hmm. is there one that you've like avoided because you're like, oh, I know this is going to be a challenging one to work out or or um, anything mm-hmm. like that? Um. Well, there's still plenty of on on my list of more of like the underground bootleg things that I have not worked through yet that I need to just because I, I feel like I, I should be uh, familiar with that stuff um, and I want to learn it. So there's a, there's a lot there that I haven't worked out yet. Um, but the one that um, I, that I know used to be that for me mm-hmm. was Tanyard's. Um, I wanted to, I've always loved that tune. Um, and now I, I know it and I do play it some, um, but and it's one of my favorite tunes so i've always loved it and i tried to work through it oh gosh maybe six or eight years ago um and i kind of got some bits and pieces but it just it was not coming together and it just felt like physically i can't do this um and i i couldn't make sense of it all to to add up to anything that that worked um and finally i just I literally thought, well, I can't play that song. And so I forgot about it for three or four years. Um, or not forgot about it, but I was just too afraid, ashamed, I don't know what, you know, <laughs> to to try to work on it again and get back into it because I was afraid of being just frustrated. Um, but then maybe four years ago or so now, maybe five, because uh, I've been playing it for a little bit now. But, I mean, in the recent past, I guess, um, I just thought you know i know i know the song in my head i need to see if i can figure this out and i there's you know it's humanly possible so i should be (laughs) able to do it at some point (laughs) even if it's not how i really want it to be um but 
yeah. So I just, I, I don't know. One day I think I was sitting here on the couch and I was playing and I just thought, you know, I need to learn containers and I need to try to figure this out. And I started playing it and it just kind of worked. And so I, I think some of that is, you know, there's some things that I learned years ago that I kind of forgot that I learned and then went back and listened to and, and heard it totally differently. I think there's, an, you know, not that what you were doing at the time early on was wrong, um, but just that you your ear does develop over time for anybody. I think it should. And you, you can understand and kind of break down and, and conceptualize some of that stuff better just from your ear developing. Um, so I think some of that was in there, too. But, you know, also just the regular practice, uh, it just it just kind of worked itself out at that point in time. But, yes, that was one for four years. I avoided learning because it felt like I couldn't. And whenever I tried to, it would not work. <laughs> um, but it finally worked. So <laughs> That's great. Well, Lauren, congratulations on the brand new album, Between the Lines, February 16th on Macquarie Records. Is that the uh, label too? It is their family's label. Um, they they asked us if we'd like to put it out on or with them, and and we, you know, eagerly accepted. That was <laughs> we weren't expecting that. Um, even with Ronnie going in as a producer, and we're just totally honored um, that they would put it out on on their label. So yeah, that's great. And and if when you guys hit the road, people need to go out and check you out. You're such a great live band. Oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for doing the podcast. Oh, I'm glad to be here anytime. Oh, thank you. you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Thank you so much to Lauren for doing the podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, this album is available everywhere. I obviously always recommend you buy it from the artist. You can do that by clicking the link below. But It's also available to stream in all the usual places. All right, y'all have yourselves a fantastic weekend. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>